the average price of alcohol in Scotland went up, um, in fact, by about 64 pence per gram of alcohol, uh, there being eight grams in, in a standard drink. Alcohol is the seventh leading risk factor for ill health and premature death across the world and is causally related to a wide range of acute and chronic health problems, making it a big target for public health. On the 1st of May 2018, Scotland was the first country to try a new way of reducing alcohol consumption in its population. It introduced a minimum unit price for alcohol. That means for each unit of alcohol, there was a minimum cost that retailers could sell it for, effectively targeting very cheap alcoholic drinks and drinks promotions. New research just published on bmj.com is looking at the effect of that price increase and measuring how well it has achieved its goal of reducing drinking in Scots. I'm Duncan Jarvis, multimedia editor for the BMJ, and I talked to Peter Anderson, one of the authors of that article, about what they found. My name's Peter Anderson. Um, I'm a professor of alcohol studies at uh, Newcastle University. Um, I have a long background in public health and alcohol policy, um, used to work for World Health Organization and continue to be an advisor to World Health Organization and the European Commission on alcohol policy matters. And how was it you got into that? What's your background? Were you a, a medical doctor or public health or, you know, what's been your yeah, route so to I'm, doing I'm, this? I'm a, I'm, I'm a medical doctor. I'm trained actually both as a general practitioner. I used to work as a GP. I'm also trained as a specialist in public health. Um, so my career has been in clinical practice, in policy making, and in academic research. Now, as someone who looks at, at alcohol control and, and has, you know, talked to governments about this, have you been keeping a, a close eye on what's happening in Scotland? Yes, I mean, I, I mean, I remember nine, ten years ago being invited by the Scottish government to come and talk about alcohol policy issues and the place of um, minimum unit pricing in that policy. Um, and I think that what what's really been important here is that the Scottish government has been one of the few governments that in recent years has really introduced a new major policy um, that's going to help heavy drinkers drink less. And that was the, the minimum unit pricing. So we'd seen, you know, other countries, Scandinavian countries, for example, which have a big kind of overall levy on, on alcohol. But this was one which almost went the other way. It sort of put a, a minimum price. Can you just explain for people who might not um, have heard about this before, what the, the difference is um, in the way Scotland was trying to tackle this to, to other countries? Well, it, it's not actually that different. I mean, we know very well that the price of alcohol is one of the biggest determinants of how much people drink. So if the price goes up, people drink less, uh, and also deaths and all of the problems related to alcohol come down. The minimum unit price is just another form of managing um, the price of alcohol. It differs in the sense that it's something that tends to target 
the highest risk drinkers, those people that buy the lowest amount of uh, the, the cheapest amount of alcohol. So in this way, it's a sort of good add-on policy. And for Scotland, the interesting thing is that Scot Scotland had the jurisdictional ability uh, to, to, to do something different and put in the minimum unit price. And they wanted to do more uh, to help their heavy drinkers in Scotland. And this was one of the best opportunities that they could do. So it's, it's an add-on really, if you like, to other comprehensive policy matters. Great, thank you. So that um, unit, minimum unit price came in in 2018. So we have some data now on, on the effect of that. Um, you've analysed that data in this new research that, that's just been published. So what was it you found um, can you take us through your your kind of your findings there? Yes, I mean we were very fortunate to be able to get this purchase data that's supplied by this company Cantar World Panel, and in in this data, um, about thirty thousand households at any one time um, across Great Britain, in fact, um, monitor everything that they buy from a shop or supermarket, and they scan the barcode. So this gives us very good objective information about how much alcohol they're buying, uh, what type of alcohol they're buying, and what the price is. So we were able to track these purchases um, over the four years, 2015 to end of 2018. And we were able to look at uh, what happened with the purchases in Scotland compared to what was going on in England. And basically what we found was um, that, I mean, the evidence shows that the minimum unit price worked as expected. That is, at the beginning of May 2018, when it was introduced, the average price of alcohol in Scotland went up, um, in fact, by about 64 pence per gram of alcohol, uh, there being eight grams in, in a standard drink. And at the same time, the amount of alcohol purchased dropped, um, again, on average, by about 9.5 grams of alcohol uh, per adult in the households. So that's just a little over one unit um, of alcohol, a unit having, having eight grams. So it really seemed to work. The price did actually go up on, on average, and the, and the purchases of alcohol came down on average. Mm. And uh, as you said, this was meant to target the people um, who particularly buy you know, large quantities of, of cheap alcohol. Do we have any demographic data that says that, you know, that side of the policy was working as well? Um, in particular, it should have should really targeted those that were buying the most alcohol. And, and in fact, this is what it did. If you, if you look at the households um, and, and how much alcohol on average they buy. It was really only in the top fifth of the households, so the top fifth that bought the most alcohol, uh, that you saw the, 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 the reduction. So in a way, it's really targeting, you know, those that were buying and therefore drinking a lot of alcohol, rather than the people or the households that were, were buying or drinking less. So in that sense, yes, it was a targeted policy. Mm. Now, if you go into the paper, and I recommend people do, it's open access, people can have a look at all of this um, in there for free. But um, if you go into the paper and look at the graph, I mean, that drop is really significant um, on there, the, the con alcohol consumption. Um, it does look slightly like it might be creeping up again. Is that a pattern that you've noticed? 
I think what's important when 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 you look at that graph um, in in the paper, you do see it slightly creeping up again, and then you see a little bit greater creep just at the end of the year. That greater creep is almost certainly um, extra buying um, of alcohol that. Uh, you know, people would do in Scotland in time for kind of Christmas and, and the New Year. So I think that, you know, if, you know, were you to look beyond into 2019, I don't think, you know, I think you'd see it flatten out again. Um, you would, it would, you would expect to see a slight creep up, which is what we do see, because people would sort of adjust and then sort of see what they're doing. Um, but uh, this, this slight creep up, um, in statistical terms was not significant and therefore we don't we don't think it's terribly important we would guess but of course we would need the new data we would guess that if you looked at the data for the beginning of 2019 that you would you, you wouldn't really see any more creep up you'd probably see it roughly as it is in the graph and that's the importance of uh, looking at the trend over time not just at a yeah. a single point um now this um policy was modelled to death almost before uh, it came in. People were really interested to to try and work out um, if it would have the effect uh, that it that was intended. So now you have the data, at least a year's worth of the data. How accurately was that done? I think it was done really accurately. Those models. I mean, all, I mean, models are always. I mean, that's what they are. They're models, um, and they're not going to tell you the e- exact. Um, you know what, what exactly is going to happen, but those models did predict that there would be a drop in consumption. What we found, in fact, is that the drop in consumption was higher than what the models predicted, um, and that's you know, that's not kind of unexpected. Uh, they all gone in the same direction. So we would we we think the models were really very accurate. What we found in reality is that the drop actually was greater than what the models predicted, um, which I think is sort of encouraging news for, for the policy change. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, generally with, with modelling, people are, are quite cautious. Is that something that um, you see that models tend to underestimate or, um, or was that a surprise to you? No, it wasn't a surprise. I mean, I think that, you know, the, the group that did the modelling, the Sheffield group, they're, they're, they're world leaders in doing this work. And yes, of course, you're going to err on the side of caution um, because you don't want to uh, you know, be caught out by making unwarranted claims. So I think this is quite normal and, and what we would expect, yeah. Now, um, some of the arguments against this and against sort of this kind of taxation to change people's behaviour is that it is potentially regressive, that it will target those on the lower socioeconomic groups. You know, the middle class wine drinkers can afford to pay uh, a few pounds extra on a bottle of wine. Um, you've talked a little bit about the fact that this has has targeted um, the, the problem drinkers, which tend to be on that. Is this is that general argument something that concerns you? What would you say to that? Well, we actually looked at at what people were spending um, on alcohol and how that changed um, after the introduction of the minimum unit price. We found some small increase overall of the amount of money that people were spending on alcohol. Um, Actually, that increase was, from the statistical point of view, was not significant. But when we looked at the um, what happened to the expenditure um, increase by the household income, so going from the poorer household incomes to the higher household incomes. In fact, we found that there was no uh, evidence of any 
um, discrimination, if you like, against the lower household income. So there was no trend in terms of um, increasing or decreasing expenditure by household income. It, it, it was the same across all the households. So we don't think there's been any kind of important, um, uh, you know, kind of uh, a regressive nature on people from lower household incomes. Okay, that's good. Um, now, obviously, this is just one kind of tool in the, the suite of things that a government can do if it's worried about the alcohol intake of its population. Um, we've seen sort of general taxation, um, like we talked about in Scandinavia. There are places where um, the sale of alcohol is pro- prohibited entirely um, or else it's restricted to, you know, specific um, highly regulated shops. So I just wonder, you know, within the kind of suite of things that are available, where does this new data um, put minimum unit pricing? How kind of useful as a tool is it, do you think? Well, it, I mean, what this data seems to show that this is really a very useful tool and is a useful tool to add on to all the other things that are being done. It, it does not replace and should not replace all the other important policy measures, but it's an add-on um, and it's a, you know, a new tool that can be added on to really help governments, um, you know, help the heavy drinkers reduce their drinking. And, you know, this is something that's going to happen in Wales. We would now hope from a policy point of view that this is something that would happen in England. Um, and then you normally, you know, with these sort of policy options, when you get a few countries doing it, testing it, showing that it works, showing that there are no major problems in doing it, then you get sometimes a bit of a domino effect that other countries say, oh, yes, we can also do that. Uh, and then they would start to implement it. This is something that we've seen uh, governments um doing more. You know, we've seen sugar levies and sugar sweetened beverages, um, alcohol now. Uh, you talk to, to governments a lot. Do you feel like there is a general move um, out there to to putting in these financial kind of mechanisms for reducing consumption of, of unhealthy things? I think in general, there is discussion. I would say that we're at the point where really most countries have got still an awful lot more to do to help make an environment in which it's much easier for people to make healthy choices. If we take alcohol, for example, there is a United Nations and a World Health Organization target um, to reduce overall consumption by 10% um, over the 15 years, uh, 2000 and 10 to 2025. But all the projections show that this is just not going to be achieved um, overall. I mean, it will happen in some countries, but overall, it's just not going to happen. And I think, therefore, although there's more discussion, uh, we still haven't seen governments properly walk the talk. That is, you know, really put in the policies that are going to make a difference. Mm. And so do you think this new evidence will be a, a, a useful thing for you to, to use to persuade some of those governments to do this? Well, I think it's a useful piece of evidence to put in, in the arguments and to show that, you know, this is something that's not difficult to implement. Uh, it can be implemented. It does seem to work. I mean, there's a whole lot more research, of course, that's going on around minimum unit price in Scotland. And, uh, you know, more and more that research will get out there in the public domain and will get published. Um, and I think when we get all of that together, it will it will become a very powerful argument um, that this is 
a good policy option that governments can introduce. Uh, it's not difficult to do it, and it seems to work. Mm. Great. Well, um, Peter, thank you so much for taking some time to talk to us today. Thank you. You've been listening to Peter Anderson talk about the article Immediate Impact of Minimum Unit Pricing on Alcohol Purchases in Scotland Controlled Interrupted Time Series Analysis for 2015 to 2018 That's now available open access, as I said, on bmj.com Links, as always, in the podcast text Now, if you've enjoyed that interview but you're wondering a little bit more about what this research means, then we'll be discussing it in our monthly Talk Evidence podcast coming out soon. There, Carl Hennigan, Director for the Centre of Evidence-Based Medicine, Helen MacDonald, one of the BMJ's editors, and I will be going through this and other papers to kind of pick out the nerdy EBM points. So subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen so you don't miss out. So that's it for this episode. Until next time, I'm Duncan Jarvis. Thanks for listening.